Hey guys, welcome to the Persevering Saints podcast, where we dig into the scriptures through some of the most fundamental doctrines found therein. Thanks guys, hope you enjoy. Hey guys, um, welcome to another weekly Bible study with me, PJ. Um, As we persevere uh, together as saints, uh, working through the scripture, uh, going through some of the most basic doctrines um, that we can know, some of the most basic things that scripture reveals to us. Uh, This week, we're going to talk very um, strongly, okay? We're going to talk about two doctrines together, okay? We're going to talk um, about two of the most basic doctrines uh, that Scripture reveals to us. Um, One is almost just completely um, accepted by the... um, Orthodox church, the the biblically orthodox Christian faith. Uh, The other, um, it should be completely um, accepted, but it's not. Um, We, uh, I wouldn't consider someone that doesn't hold to this second uh, doctrine we're going to speak about as not a brother or not a sister in Christ. I wouldn't say that they weren't our brothers and sisters, but I would say they're wrong. Um, it is it is very, very, very clear in the scripture. Uh, if you would, while while we kind of talk about these things, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 51. And we are going to just look at verse 5. That is going to be my beginning reading. But what I was saying was, the first one, very, very accepted. Um, It is is excessively clear, um, even though some wouldn't look at it the same way that uh, I do, or uh, most all of biblically Orthodox Christians would. but the second is 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 very very um, fiercely debated, I guess is the best way to put it. But let's let's read Psalm fifty one verse five. It says, "Indeed, I was guilty when I was born; I was sinful when my mother conceived me." Can any of y'all guess? Uh, other than the title that was presented to y'all on this study, what we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about the two doctrines of one, original sin, and the second being total depravity. Uh, as I said before, original sin is almost fully accepted by just about any denomination or sect of Christianity. Um, 
Total depravity, not fully accepted. But I really don't understand how you can believe in original sin and not believe in total depravity. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, these two doctrines hold some drastic, dramatic uh, baggage. Um, there's some really, even though most people would say that they believe in the doctrine of original sin, some people are excessively confused about what the doctrine of original sin actually is. So let's 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 start there. What is original sin? Okay? Original sin is not the original sin. Okay? When I when we speak of the doctrine of original sin, we are not speaking of Adam eating the forbidden fruit. What we're speaking of um, is the result what happened to you and me as a result of Adam and Eve consuming the fruit that they were told not to. Um, the doctrine of original sin, I believe, can be summarized in a very simple phrase. Okay? Hold on to this. It's, in one man's sin, we sin all. You got that? In one man's sin, we sin all. Original sin is we are fallen because Adam fell. In one man's sin, we sin all. Or in one man's sin, we all fail. Uh, Romans 5, 12. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to that if you got your Bibles with you. Give you a quick second. But original sin is it, it is truly that simple. It is the fact that in Adam, now you have inherited a sin nature. That that's that's what original sin is. The original sin is not the original sin. Original sin is the state that you and I are in before salvation. Okay? So Romans 5, verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. Now, original sin just speaks of our fallen state of being. The fact that our fleshly nature, our fleshly nature desires the desires of the flesh. Ephesians 2, uh, 2 and 3 says it this way, You previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature under wrath, as the others were also. In other words, you and I are not only 
sinners because we sin. We are sinners by nature. And some people are going to go, wait, I'm born a sinner? Yes. Even before you sin, um, you are a sinner. They go hand in hand. It's not, it's, it's, you are a sinner. Your inclination, every essence, every part of you is a sinner. Okay? Does it make sense? I mean, that's, that's the, one of the most basic doctrines that the Bible presents to us. It, it, it is all over the place. Now, the doctrine of total depravity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it this way. I'm going to say it this way. Okay, If original sin is about the nature you're in, okay, total depravity is how, fa how fallen have you fallen? <laughs> Okay, how far have you fallen? That, that'd be a, that's a good way to say it. So total depravity, if original sin is that you have fallen, total depravity is now how far have I fallen? And scripture says we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And as we all say at Grace Pointed Eagle Heights all the time, Okay, what can a dead man do? And all you from Gapa Church are going, nothing. Because that's exactly what a dead man can do. He can do nothing. And that's what is, is total depravity. Okay? You have fallen in Adam. You have earned spiritual death. Okay, remember that, that God told Adam that if he would eat of the fruit, he would surely die. Now, did Adam die physically? He began to, but something did happen as soon as he ate. He spiritually died. He spiritually died. And we have inherited that spiritual death because Adam is our, um, what we call, federal head. Uh, the doctrine is one of the most fully misunderstood uh, doctrines in all of Scripture. You have people that seriously hate this doctrine. That will attack you if you believe that we are truly dead in our sins and trespasses, that you are fully spiritually dead at birth. But let's, let's clarify it so some of the misunderstanding gets broken away. Okay, Total depravity does not mean fully depraved. Okay, Total depravity does not mean fully depraved. In other words, 
total depravity does not mean you are as evil, bad, or um, just evil as you possibly could be. Okay. Um, I don't know why I couldn't think of another word other than evil and bad. <laughs> I kind of feel silly about that. But uh, I digress. Okay. Total depravity does not mean that you are as fully evil or bad as you possibly can be. What it does mean is that you have been, um, that, that the original sin, okay, that original sin, that your nature has, has corrupted everything that you are, mind, body, and emotion, okay? Um, it has corrupted it to an extent of death. It is the fact that without God bringing new life, okay, John 3, the story of when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. It is the fact that without God bringing new life, man has no inclination to true life. Romans 3, 10 through 12. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Excuse me. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good. Not even one. None. No one who does good. Sin has poisoned, corrupted, and polluted everything. And that includes everything about what makes us people. When Adam ate that fruit, Adam spiritually died, and you have inherited that spiritual death in your original state of original sin. Now, if you were a Christian, you have been born again. If you are a true Christian, if you have displayed the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you can open the book of 1 John and you go through the test that 1 John gives to you, how can you know that you're a Christian? Read the book of 1 John. It gives us Christians assurance to know that we are saved, that we are are no longer in that original state. Now, that original state of flesh still rots on my back. But I have been more born anew. Okay? Isaiah 64, 6 through 7. All right? All of us have become like something unclean. All of us... I'm sorry. All our righteous acts are like polluted garments. Um, polluted is not strong enough language for what that scripture says. If you want to do some word study to know uh, how polluted uh, Isaiah is describing that we are, 
study that, okay? All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. No one calls on your name, striving to take a hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us melt because of our iniquity. No one seeks God because we are fallen. You are unable, you are unable to seek God because you are spiritually dead. And things of the Spirit are not spiritually uh, visible. And I do not um, want you to just nitpick at this, okay? Because I'm going to start saying some things. Because the scripture says in all these areas that you cannot be good. Right? Over in Romans 3, there is none righteous, not one. Some of us may think that we have done some good things, right? You fed the homeless. Even before you were a Christian, you did some good things, right? You took the trash out for your mama. Well, the Bible says in Isaiah right there, it says, All of us have become like un something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like polluted garments. Isaiah is saying right there, even your good deeds aren't good at all. Why are they? How, how is that true? It's because they're not truly good. They don't hold to the standard of God. When you do something before you're saved, before you're a Christian, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for praise? Are you doing it for God? Are you doing it to impress God? Or are you just doing it because you love God? That's the question. Everything we do, we must do as a pure heart okay those those things that we do with a pure heart in love of God and of neighbor that is a good thing but can you do those good things not in and of yourself that's the point you are totally depraved you cannot choose good you will not choose good because of the original sin that you are in. The nature that you have inherited from your federal head father, Adam. See, the fact is we are described as dead in our original state of original sin. And what can dead man do? Nothing. Nothing but rot. Unable to seek after God because we are spiritually dead and our, in our state of original sin. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the way, <clears throat> ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit not working, 
I'm sorry, the spirit working in the disobedient. Now working in the disobedient. Romans 3.10 There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Psalm 53, 2-3 God looks down from heaven on all the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. And here's the answer. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. This doctrine of total depravity is that Adam, that in Adam you are spiritually dead. You can do nothing but rot. You have zero purpose. in and of yourself. God still has a purpose for you. Um, and unfortunately, if you are not in His will, if you are not born again, you can do nothing but rot. And that is God's will for you. It's called His wrath. So now, your question must be, so what? So the Bible says, I'm fallen in Adam, fallen so far away that I'm dead, so dead, I can do nothing but rot. So what's the point? If I can't save myself, if I can't even speak or seek to save myself, my nature doesn't even desire to do what will save me. According to God's word. It even sounds, I, I will admit, at first glance, this even sounds like there is zero, oops, there is zero hope for anyone. And that's a fair assessment. But friends, there is hope. Just not in and of you. The answer to your so what is God. God, the answer to original sin, the answer to total depravity is God. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 19, and we're going to start at verse 16. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Y'all, I, I really do understand that this is a very, very, very hard Excuse me. Very hard doctrine for unbelievers to um, accept. It is. It's a hard doctrine for believers to accept at first. I was one. 
especially total depravity. Original sin, I was raised Catholic. It's a different idea of original sin, but still, uh, we, uh, I knew original sin. Total depravity, mm, I wasn't sure I was dead. So dead that I couldn't do anything but rot, right? But the Bible convinced me otherwise. Okay, so Matthew nineteen sixteen through 26, it says, Just then, someone came up and asked him, this is talking to Jesus, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? He said to him, There is only one who is good. So who's that one? It's God, okay? If you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all of these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? He said, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go, sell all your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard that, his disciples, when the man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So this, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. You look through this, and a lot of people have, have uh, preached some very disgusting, untrue things from this. Um, they have preached a social gospel, um, they have preached a um, poverty gospel that you um, can't have any possessions or that having money is is um, is a sin and that's not the point of this at all at all the point is all these things he just proved that all these things these keeping of the commandments he was doing them for no one other than himself. He was seeking heaven, not seeking God. You, you saw, he said, sell your possessions, sell to the poor, you'll have a great reward in heaven. Okay? He said, and then come follow me. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus is God. He said, come follow me. And instead of following Jesus, he wouldn't give up anything. He'd rather hold to his possessions and... Um, 
go on his merry way. All right? So it's not about him being wealthy. It's about him not following what Jesus said for him to do. All right? So next, um, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked them, Who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, the point here is that you can do nothing to save yourself. Nothing. It is more likely that a camel can fit through the eye of a sewing needle. Even a really big sewing needle. You cannot save yourself. You are fully unable because of your sin nature. Because you are dead in your sins and trespasses. And then Christ, he just rolls through it and explains how then can one be saved. With man, it is impossible. It is impossible for you to save yourself. But with God. All things are possible. See, verses like Ephesians 2, 8 through 13, explain this so beautifully. Paul says here, he says, Remember that at one time, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised. So, by the Jews. Which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, a foreigner to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, it is absolutely all of Him and none of you. If you are saved today, it is all of Him and none of you. You are saved by grace through faith, 
not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That scripture clearly, clearly says that the grace and the faith are the gift. The forgiveness and the faith. Grace through faith, not of yourself. Not by works, so that no man may boast. Philippians 1.6 I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work works that work out and finishes that work all the way to completion. It's all of Him and none of you. That's the hope. Yes, you are a um, inherited, sin-depraved sinner, even at birth. Yes, babies are sinful. But God. Yes, teenagers are sinful. But God. If you seek after Him, it's because He has already seeked after you. He has already began a good work in you. If you know Him in truth, because He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's because He's done it to you. So, do not hesitate. Fall on your knees. Cry out to Him. Go to Him. And seek mercy. Seek grace. Seek love because He is the author of all those things. Friends, I know this was a difficult um, lesson to understand, but it's clear. In fact, it is definitely one of the most clear doctrines in all of Scripture. And it is truthfully one of the most basic it is it is something that almost everything in scripture um, works off of the fact that in adam you have fallen and that you have fallen so far that you are dead in your sins and trespasses so now repent and believe and you will be born again because he is beginning a work in you. Now let's close in prayer. And I'm going to say thank you. And persevering saints, we are out. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for bringing us together, uh, for
yet one more week of studying together, understanding um, the truths of Scripture together, Lord. Working through even these difficult doctrines that are only truly difficult because of our pride, not because the Scripture isn't clear. Lord, I ask that anyone listening to this right now, that if you begin to work on them, Lord, that they go seek counsel. Seek counsel uh, from their pastor. If they don't have a pastor, message me. You can message my pastor, Kevin Inman. Lord, You have done a great work. A work that we cannot do. And because of that, I bow and praise in all of you. We say all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, guys. Persevering Saints, we're out.